truly. Well, I think we'll cut this out. Come here. This pattern is just important. All right. Are you ready? Sound good? Mm -hmm. right. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the first episode of the Just Impolite Love podcast with the lovely Jennifer Allen Parker and myself, David Glazebrook. In this podcast, we hope to entertain you all with some in-depth conversations, some stories, some philosophy, some wisdom. Sometimes these events and tales and things will be happy. Sometimes they'll be sad. And sometimes they'll be somewhere in between. And naughty. And naughty. They can be naughty, right? Well, mostly from your side. I'm, <laughs> mostly. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm definitely a prude. So, oh, oh my goodness. That's Ruby. Hi, Ruby. Ruby is Jennifer's dog. So, welcome. So, we're sitting here. Yes. After only knowing each other. Well, meeting in person. Meeting in person for what? For, about a month, almost to the day, right? A month. To the day. Yes. Meeting each other. Yes, we had coffee together. Yes. To discuss doing a podcast. Correct. Correct. And then, but you had been stalking me for quite some time. No. No? No, no. you hadn't been stalking me? I, I, I first noticed you in late January. Oh, okay. Suddenly, you were popping up first on all my feeds. Oh, okay. On social media. Hmm. Why? why? Yeah, why is that? I don't know. But I think that at that time, or I know that I thought you were someone I went to high school with. Oh, that's right. So you just thought like it was some dude trying to get back into your life. No, no, he's not that type of dude. But uh, he's he's a good guy, and he has a lot of the same letters in his name that you do. Oh, okay. A lot of L's, Z's, oh. E's, D's. <laughs> and that's, I just assumed that's who it was. Oh, okay. Well, it wasn't. It was me. And how long have you been stalking me on Well, I've been stalking. Well, see, you have like several aliases on Instagram. So I, I know I was following your store a little something because it's a local store here in South Portland, Maine. And I it's like, a great store. It's a great store. I had never been in it, actually. I started following on Instagram probably over a year ago. Well over a year ago because I've been living in South Park for a few years now. And I wanted to know more about you know, local businesses. So I had always meant to go in. I just never did. So because you have a local business. Yes, I do. Uh, yoga on York in York, Maine. A, You're a yogi. Is I, that okay to say that? Yes, it's okay to say that. I am a yogi. Are you a uh, trained yogi? Yes, I am a trained. I am a 500 hour experience, which means I taught a shit ton of classes. Uh, so, and I'm also licensed, if you will, or certified to teach other yoga teachers so are your hours still counting so will you yes. be a 700 oh no I, well, I got well over 700 hours i got thousands of hours so thousands. but you'll always be a 500 yeah that's the top like training 500 hour training so i've done 500 hours of training where you were trained or you were training somewhere i was trained in 500 hours of yoga. do you want more Eh, I go to do, do little things here and there, like for continuing education. But that's about it. I don't need to go anymore. I, I wanted to go to school for a, a lot more. I had this idea that every two years I'd go back to school mm -hmm. or do something. And that ended rather quickly because I was, I was done. So you live in South Berwick. Yes. Where do you live, Jennifer? South Berwick. You live in South Berwick, too. A coincidence. I do. Yes. But you're a yogi. Yeah, I'm a yogi. I know that you're a writer. Yes. You are an emergency manager. Yes. For someone who we cannot name. Yes. You have a dog named Harry. Yes, I do. Where's Harry? Harry's at home. Because Ruby and Harry don't get well, along. Well, they, they're getting better. It's, it's, it, Ruby gets a little snappy because, well, it's her house, and that's okay. Harry's, and Harry's a wuss. Harry is a wuss. He is a wuss. He's I'm got a bark, though. He's, he's got a really good bark, but he's a wuss. So, yeah. He's yeah. a good wuss. Yeah, he is. He's a sweet boy. And then, so, <clears throat> you are single. Yes. Currently. Currently. Sadly. Yes, sadly. And you have family. Yes. That you love. Very much. I have a mom, a dad, two brothers, a sister, 
uh, nieces and nephews. You know what this is reminding me of? What's that? My next, my next question to you. Yeah. You were born in Toronto, Canada. Remember Dan in real life? Oh, she just she simply stated you were born. Yeah, you were born. So you're a Canadian. I am Canadian by birth. I am an American citizen now. When yeah. did that happen? Uh, May of 1998. I was I was in the army at the time, and uh, at the time when you're in the army, you had to be a citizen after serving in the military for seven years and 29 days, where they kick you out. So I had to get my citizenship, which I wanted to do anyway, because I wanted to become an officer. So that was part of the prerequisite for becoming an officer. I had to become a citizen. So, so they enlisted you as a Canadian? Yep. Yeah, I was enlisted as a Canadian. In what arm of the military? Army. I knew that. Yeah. I was an infantryman. I served 13 years in the Army, and I am an Iraq war pet. So, and that brings us to kind of like the whole premise of why I wanted to start doing this podcast, even again, before I even knew you existed, Yes, was that I, what you and I, there are a lot of things that we have in common, I feel like, yes. and just getting to know you in this short time. And there are a lot of things that we are probably polar opposites. Mm. Politics. Polit- I don't know. If it's pol- pol- Policy, no. No, but I, I mean... Party platforms. What's that? Party platforms. I mean, you're you're a flaming liberal. That's okay. (laughs) No, I I I actually take offense from that. Oh, really? Yeah. So because I would say I'm progressive. You said progressive. Okay, we'll say you're progressive. She's a flaming liberal. Um, I I would say I'm not as progressive. Are you you financially fiscal? Yes, I'm financially (laughs) conservative. I I like my money and I like to keep my money. Fiscally conservative. Yes, I do. And do you believe that any Democrats like money and like to keep that? Oh, they do. They like to keep their money. They just want to take yours. Okay. They're they're fine with their money. They just Mm -hmm. want to take your money. So that's probably one of our greatest differences. I would say so. But one of the things that I feel like has connected us um, even without us knowing, is that we are most definitely both survivors, mm-hmm. and I would argue uh, thrivers. Yes, I would of say so PTSD. too. PTSD. I would say too, so too. So can I ask you some questions? Mm-hmm. Okay. Where were you born? I was born in Keene, New Hampshire. Mm-hmm. I was. I'm. At, it's. I'm actually famous because I know you are. I was the last baby born at Keene Hospital. Oh, no kidding. Before it became Keene State oh, College. Cool. Did you know that about I me? I did not know that about you. That's cool. And now you have been a state representative. Unfortunately. You have, yeah. You have owned several businesses. Eight. Some, eight, some that went international. Mm-hmm. You're a mom of three beautiful children. Who you have not met. Who I have not met, but from everything I can tell, they are... Really well adjusted. Your mom lives up above the garage. She's smoking hot, by the way. At age eighty four. At, at age eighty four, she made me soup, which she's already. It's already. It's already first base. She's taken. Yeah. And then, um, let's see. You have this beautiful house, a witch house. In South Do you think Florida. I'm a witch? Well, I think all women are probably witches at some level. Yeah. <laughs> But do I? You're probably more of a witch than most. Am I a good witch? I think you're a good witch. Okay. You're definitely a good witch. No houses are falling on you anytime soon. Mm-mm. No. no, you're definitely a good witch. So I'm a farmer. Yes, you are. You have goats in the loosest sense of the <clears throat> yeah, word. Yeah, because you have you have goats. I don't, do you grow anything? I do not grow anything. Okay, so does that mean you're? A I farmer? have grown something. Okay. So does that mean you're a farmer? I mean, or is that? Or like, is it a gentleman farmer? I don't know. I'm not a farmer at all. You didn't know what it meant to muck. When I told no, you I had I, to go I, home and muck, I had you... no idea what you that meant. Go and home. I said, "Oh, lucky you!" And so I, I, I envisioned that that means you have to scoop up poop. That's what I. That's what I envisioned it was going to be. It was yeah, okay. What do you do with all the poop? <laughs> do you burn it? No. Well, so do you throw it at cars? I'm gonna throw it at you. We have, <laughs> we have, I have, um, I have a pile. You know, a pile. You just leave it there, just like in a pile. Yeah, I, the farm has the goats have been on the farm for almost ten years now, and the piles. It doesn't seem to get any bigger, so I imagine mm. it's. See, I mean, it's as, breaking as, as down. a progressive, I thought you'd like have some sort of contraption out there you can use it as fuel or something. I'm a progressive goat poop. Yeah. Innovator. 
Yeah, I figured you'd make some sort of, like, the gas could, like, heat your home. Do you want to buy some goat poop? No, I don't. And then, so, that's funny. Goat poop? Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Do you know the difference between pellet and plop poop? Yes. Because I told you? Yes, you told me what the difference between. And I I think I could have figured that out for myself, but I I now know there's an actual difference. I didn't know it was called, I just called it. Shit, so. so you're a city boy. Yes, I'm much more of a city boy. You grew up near Toronto? Yeah, well, I grew up in Toronto for my first 11 years of my life. And then my uh, parents and I, my, the entire family, uh, moved down to uh, just outside of Worcester, Massachusetts. Which, ironically, is where both of my parents grew up in that area. I'm no kidding. I did not know that. So they're from Worcester, too. So you, so the first time that we, so we didn't know each other. No. And then we started showing up on each other's feeds. On Instagram first. Right. And then one night, for some reason, you were just everywhere. So I messaged you. And you were saying, do I know you? Oh, I said, have we met? That's what you said. Have we met? I said, no. Because if you were stalking, I was just going to like yeah. find so out. Just call me out. Call you out. Well, why are you stalking me? Why are you stalking me? And then, so that <laughs> night, I remember I found out you grew up playing baseball. Mm-hmm. And you were in Worcester and you said, and I said that my parents grew up near Worcester and Hudson and Uxbridge. That's right. Yeah, that's right. And they used Mm -hmm. to hang out in Menden. Mm -hmm. That's right. And you said you played ball there. Yeah, especially in Uxbridge and Medford. That's kind of funny. Yeah. And then, so that happened. And then the way that my mind works is I, we started talking about things that we had in common. And for some reason... I imagined without meeting you that we would hit it off, that there would be <laughs> some sort of chemistry or friendship. Big, big leap of faith, leap of faith there. Wait. Well, I think you were right, right? Do you? I, I asked I you. I said, do you think, I, I said, are you a betting man? Yes. And I said, depends on what the bet is. And I said, do you think we'll have chemistry? And I said, I bet we will. Yeah. Because I'm a really nice guy. You are a nice guy. Really sometimes. Nice guy. Yeah, sometimes. All yeah. the time. And then um, I shared with you that I forget. So I I'm also a writer. Yes, you are a writer. You've written several books. Published too. Published too. Yeah. And I write a daily column. Mm-hmm. And but I started writing probably it was about the time my dad passed. Yeah. It was when I seriously started writing or trying to write every day. How long ago was that? That was, I was 22. So it's almost that was five almost. years ago. <laughs> so, right? Because yeah. I'm very much younger than you. <laughs> You're much younger than me. No, that, that was, my goodness, that will be 30 years ago okay. in a couple of years. All right. I just turned, I just had the biggest birthday of my life. Yes, you did. Big 5-0. With a, not a lot of fanfare. No, that's okay. I don't want a fanfare for my birthdays either. And um, so through all of that writing and sharing, I ended up, I started sharing it daily mm-hmm. um, on Facebook right about the time that Facebook went live. Oh, really? Yep. And at first it was a column called A Fresh Perspective. Mm-hmm. And then it turned into something called A Little Lift. Mm-hmm. And then that turned into a published book. And then just recently... It's again had kind of its own little change or evolution, and now it's called Just Love. Yeah. So all of these years to figure out um, if you're if you've been diagnosed with PTSD, and even if you haven't been diagnosed, right? Because how many people are out there oh, just, having survived yeah. trauma? Oh yeah, and you don't. I mean, you don't have to be diagnosed to have PTSD. You can have PTSD just from a car wreck. Never mind. Right. Anything else? I don't even want to say more severe because I'm not going to put labels on trauma. Is trauma, right? Exactly. Regardless of what it results from, exactly. But I think having made my way through it, um, I well, in fact, when I was diagnosed, I I had no idea. I I had said to the counselor one day, I said, "Why is my insurance still paying for this? Yeah, for all of these therapy sessions." And she was like, "She was Jennifer, you have PTSD." <laughs> How old were you when you got diagnosed? I think I was 26. Oh, okay. Well, yeah. And, um, 
And I think from that point, well, from that point on, probably the next 10 years was getting to the point that I knew what normal, or at least had an idea of what normal and healthy living was. Mm -hmm. I was far from the point of saying that I, I was living it. Yeah. I was, I was submerged in fear Mm. for most of my young adult life and living in that place. And, and of course I would fake it. Yeah, of course. But, um, so my writing now like has really, um, come around to the fact that, you know, there's two emotions that we can live from or choose to live from. We can live from fear. Mm -hmm. I've, I've done that most of my life. I'm assuming you have. Yes, I have. Or we can consciously choose to live from love. Mm-hmm. And, so. it's, and it's, I think it's easier to live in fear because you don't have to do any work. Um, it's a survival thing because other things are going on in life. So it's easier to kind of say, you know what? I'm just going to stay in fear because. You don't have to face your demons. Right. You don't have to face anything. So you just so choosing to, to live with more love and consciously do it. That's a perfect word for it. You have to consciously do it. You have to remind yourself to do it uh, because it's easier the other way. And and what do humans do? I mean, we're, we're naturally going to you know gravitate to what's easier. Why not? You know, well, Republicans are. Well, yeah, well, it's because it makes more sense. But. Uh, <laughs> But, and, and you know what the next big lesson was, it's one thing to choose to be kind and choose to respect people, places, and things, because I feel like that's a huge part of it. I grew mm-hmm. up with walls being punched in. Yeah. I grew up with items being thrown by my head, mm-hmm. unkind words being hurled. Okay. So it's it's not just about loving other people. It's loving your environment. It's loving yourself. Well, that's what I was going to come to is that we took the, well, it took the wisdom of my now 20 year old to tell me a few years ago that it's time. She said, mama, I think you should go inward. Mm-hmm. I think you should look for love inside. She's a wise kid. And I was like, what is that? It's, yeah. What is it? What, what it, is that? That, that, that was, was that your reaction? What, yeah. What, what is, like, yeah, what do you mean? Yeah. What do you mean? Like, that's a foreign concept. Like, why would I do that? And I can just love everybody else and I can ignore. Can you love yourself? I think was yeah. my reaction. Mm-hmm. Is that possible? Right. Well, you have to forgive yourself at first, right? So you have to forgive yourself for any feelings or regrets or anything else you've had. Shame. Shame. Yeah. Shame is huge. Guilt. It's huge. And you have to forgive yourself for even though you're not wrong, like what happened is not like you didn't do it. You didn't do anything wrong. Depending on your trauma. Right. Well, that can be hard. You know, you still feel guilty, shame, remorse, you know, and you might want to say, hey, how do I, you can't move forward until you start forgiving yourself and then you can love yourself. So that, so without saying a lot more about my trauma, you and I on our first conversation in person, yes. the first time we were physically together. This yeah. has never happened to me in my whole life, <laughs> in the whole history of Jennifer Ellen Parker. We're sitting in a car, my yes. car. Your car. We're, we're in bridge traffic. Yes. Because the first bridge in Portsmouth, New Hampshire is up. Yes. We are strangers. Yes. And you just opened up on me. Yeah. I had uh, to tell you about, well... I mean, we were going to go forward like with this podcast, and you have to kind of know where I'm coming from. And uh, I lost my fiance just about a year ago. Right now, uh, she was uh, a closet alcoholic. Never knew it. Never saw it. Never suspected it. Nothing until, I mean, long story short, basically one day her eyes were yellow, and I knew that was liver failure. And I confronted her about it. She admitted it. And then she said, well, I'll have to stop. I said, okay. Me not knowing it, I mean, I started doing research on what this means. And it said, you know, you can detox from alcohol uh, and live. You can do it by yourself. You can. But there are certain signs that saying, hey, you need to go to the doctor. You need to go to the doctor. You need to go to the doctor. And she was starting to have those signs. And I remember saying, well, we need to go to the doctor. And she even said she called the doctor. Uh, she didn't. She lied. Because uh, she felt shame. She was living in shame and yeah, fear. Yeah, and fear. Uh, so she didn't call the doctor. She told me she did. 
she told me the doctor said, hey, you know, as long as this is not happening, this is not happening, you're okay. So me thinking like, you know, trusting her and thinking that doesn't make sense. That doesn't make sense. Everything's telling me different. And uh, the night that she she had a seizure is what basically happened that night. I told her, I was like, if you're not better tomorrow, I'm throwing you over my shoulder and putting you in my truck. You know, we're going to go to the hospital. Period. You're not going to have a choice. She was also worried about health insurance. She didn't have any. And the cost, I told her, I will mortgage the house. Doesn't matter. And But that night she had a seizure. And uh, she basically went into a coma and never came out. So uh, she was uh, taken to the hospital that night. I had to... I didn't get her heart restarted. Uh, the medics did. I was doing CPR on her for 10 minutes. The medics got there. They did CPR on her for 10 minutes. They got her heart started. But, you know, unbeknownst to me or, you know, really anybody else, that she was already gone. Um, the damage had been done to the brain. So she spent the next four days um, in the critical care unit over in Wentworth Douglas. And she, uh, I promised her mom I would do everything we could. She's an only child. To make sure that before we do that, that's the right decision. Um, and it was that Monday, and I talked to the neurologist, and they did the final brain scan, and there was nothing left. And I knew she didn't want to live like that. We had we had actually had that conversation before, um, so uh, I was able to make the decision to uh, remove care. And that was I wouldn't wish, wish that on my worst enemy. Not even close. I think you you shared that story with me and I I have always always been the open book like I've always opened up first and I remember sitting across from you and just feeling like there was nothing that I could say in that moment to make anything better for you that you know, and that's very wise of you to say because, you know, it's, it's one of those things. And I know why people say it, you know, are you okay? I couldn't even what, ask you that. Yeah, I what, knew you weren't yeah, okay. What, what what can I do? And believe me, I, I know when people say that, it's coming from a, a place of genuine concern and love. Uh, and I tremendously appreciated it. But honestly, there's nothing like, no, I'm not okay. And no, there's nothing you can do. There's, you know, there's nothing you can do. So. I'm gonna, I'm gonna let Ruby out. You let Ruby really out. quick. Okay. Is that all right? Yeah. Go ahead. That will be like our first major edit out. Yeah. But when you when you were saying that to me, and I went I I went quiet. Mm-hmm. You were listening. You're a very good listener. I um, you ca- you captured me in that moment, mm-hmm. and I think because one of the things that I value most in relationships is honesty, and I don't know if anyone had ever been that honest with me in my life, never mind coupled with the fact that was the first time we met in person. I've been working on being very vulnerable over the last year. Um, I think I've told you before that, you know, I'm one of those people that is very steady. Um, I'm the people, a person that people usually look to. I'm the guy that they go to when things go bad. And I was really, still am, lost in a lot of ways because my world was just flipped upside down. You're, we had a conversation today. You're still lost. Yeah, absolutely. And I, you know, I, I really wanted to change. I wanted to use this opportunity, the worst kind, but to maybe even let go and heal even more than I needed to, uh, I use the opportunity to be a little more vulnerable. I'm not used to that. 
But you have to, you have to admit you're saying, so you said that to me, you wanted to open up and be more vulnerable. Right. But in that moment, you are probably the most vulnerable that I've ever encountered in a person other than myself. Like you said that to me and I, and I was blown away. And then knowing that this is what you're facing right now. Mm but this isn't your PTSD. Like no, you no. are facing this huge life challenge. One of the greatest losing someone that you true you were in love with Amy. Absolutely. We're engaged. We're engaged. But you were in love. Oh, absolutely. And like losing someone that you love and that they love you. Is there anything more difficult no, on this planet? Especially when it's not expected, you know, and you're also a survivor of PTSD at the same time. Right. Yeah, with with the military in Iraq and all that stuff. Yeah, is yeah. that is that that's like double jeopardy, right? Like yeah, maybe. Um, I, I actually maybe think that part of the reason I was I was in I'm good in crisis situations, and military training and even some of my PTSD helps me in military. So when I was diagnosed with PTSD. You know, so hypervigilance, always planning, uh, making sure that, you know, I's are dotted, T's are crossed. Uh, I know the way out. I know the way in. All that stuff. That and, was from your diagnosis? Yeah. So I, I, I'm, I'm... So mine was totally different. So, yeah. And that's, that's, that's the strange thing. It could be completely, completely different. And then, so what do you do for a living? I'm an emergency manager. I plan for crises and help people get out of them. <laughs> and that literally the doctor, he was laughing and half joking at the time. He says, you might be the first person that's seen PTSD help. So <laughs> how, how old were you when you experienced your trauma uh, P, of PTSD? Mm-hmm. Uh, well, I was, I was in Iraq when I was, was 2004. So uh, I was 29 when I was in Iraq, 29 to 30, right? Yeah. So that's one of our differences. You mm-hmm. experienced your trauma, your first great trauma yeah. as an adult. Right. And I was little, little, little. little. Right little right which i mean and i think you can throw people in the exact same situation and they're going to react differently you know because people are different and that's why i don't think ptsd is one of those things that people put a pin in well this is what ptsd is no you know because it's so each person reacts to things differently everybody you know different ages different personalities uh, different cultures, um, you know, you can be in, you know, maybe in one culture and one thing is acceptable and the other thing is not another and it can cause it. Um, but unfortunately too, that PTSD has become one of those phrases or buzzwords that is almost seems like it's being overused or maybe there's just so many of us with it. I, I, I do think one of the positive things that maybe came out of the Iraq and Afghanistan wars is that PTSD, I think, was starting to be recognized as a real issue and that it became more accepted. So, and it came out of the military. So, like, I hear this all the time. Like, well, I wasn't in combat, so it's not that bad. That doesn't matter. <laughs> like I said, you can be in a car wreck and have PTSD. Uh, you name it. It's, it's, it's dependent on the person and the situations you're in. So, but I, I do think that out of that those wars, PTSD was looked at much more seriously than it's ever been looked at before, and uh, I and it's it's come out of the military world and just for the you know combat and looking at like how else you can have, I think probably most of the society has some sort of PTSD. I agree, and you know what? So for you, from your perspective as a white male, yeah. half Canadian, half. Yeah. American. Well, I'm not half. Holy American. I, I, no, I'm wholly Canadian. <laughs> I'm wholly Canadian. I became an American citizen. Can we? Can, I have we, a piece of paper that says it. Should we talk about my Canadian roots? Yes. Yeah, so We're sitting you. here, and what's on the floor beside you? Yeah, you know, a, Can- a Canadian flag rug. In my living room. In your living room. It's another similarity. Yes. But what I wanted to say, and like what you just said so profoundly and with so much ownership that you were thanking the military and these wars for legitimizing PTSD. From my perspective as a woman in growing up in the United States, I um, was the youngest of five. I had older siblings during the 
the women's rights yeah. movement. So Helen Reddy, um, Hear Me Roar, all yeah. of that. Um, burning bras. Like I was a tiny little girl when all yeah. that was going on. But what I found um, growing up as often the only woman in director level status oh, yeah. in technology companies or corporations yeah. or even traveling for business, that um, there wasn't a lot of space for having a voice yeah. as a woman. Oh, and God. I know that sounds like a feminist. No, but there wasn't. There wasn't. And, you know, I, through this podcast, I'm sure stories will come up, things that I face. Yeah. Um, blatant moves to touch me in inappropriate ways. Oh, sure. Offers of threesomes. Yeah. Um, right. And on and on and on. And how do you balance that with that desire and that innate will to be better at what you're right. doing? Right. Because, to climb the corporate ladder. Yeah, you must have felt like there's only one way up. You, there were often times that that was verbalized to me. Oh, my God. And so being, being a young single mom, yeah. having to fully support your household yeah. while grow your career. Yes. But what I was going to say, you were touting the military and these wars for yeah. being a channel for PTSD to be legitimized. Yeah. I would argue that the Me Too movement was I, a huge player oh, in I, allowing I, women a voice to say, okay, this happened to me, whether I was a child, teenager, right. young woman, old woman, yeah. and it's not okay. Uh, I, I This happened to me. It caused trauma in my life, and it's not okay. I'm not a whore. I'm not a right, slut. Right, right. But I think part of that, the reason, one of the reasons the Me Too movement came about was because it was starting to become more open that people have PTSD. And they, so it's the military. Oh my gosh! I mean, I, I don't think it's like a chicken and the egg thing, but I mean, I, I really do think that once. Are we opening comments up on this? Sure, on why not? This podcast? I would like. So we'll have a Jen fan club <laughs> and a Dave <laughs> fan club. But I, I, I think that the Me Too movement did do that. But I think part of the reason it was there is because people started to feel more empowered. That, but it's isn't okay. it? Isn't it interesting? The Epstein yeah. case, right? Oh my God. So that comes out. Who's going to trial? Who Who is facing oh. criminal charges? Yeah, the, his, his female companion. The woman. Well, <laughs> the he, woman. well, he did feel, face charges. He just was he convicted? I can't remember. He, no, he was. He, he, he was. Just, he, he got out before the. the, the he was hung. Yeah, well, or there's some questionable yeah, but, things uh, yeah, around he, his. He, he, right now, he peaced out. Timely or timely yeah. death. Yeah. So no, but I I just see a lot of irony in that, and then of course it. with the Supreme Court justice nominee. Yeah. Right. I know. Yeah. It was. I was all over him. I know. I, I don't necessarily agree with all that, but that's okay. That's well, yeah. kind of. That's where it is right now, where we are right now yeah. in our times. But thirty years ago, do you think that would have happened? Which Which part of everything so we're talking the, about? The Kavanaugh stuff. So do you think that would have even been broached thirty years ago? I mean, it was with Clarence Thomas. Anita Hill. Need it. Well, that's what I'm saying. Come, How many years ago was that? Yeah, that was about 30 years ago. So, yes. So, but not not to that level. And isn't that ironic that it was Biden? Yeah. Yeah. But it wasn't it wasn't that that ferocious. I mean, I was much younger then. But, so. uh, I think for me it was. I right. think because um, I was, still so remember, I was just starting out my career. I was right. traveling around the country by myself. Yeah. And seeing her stand up for herself. Yeah. And that's and then being blasted. Yeah. So that oh, yeah. message to me as a young professional yeah. in a purely man's world in technology and the dot com was like yeah, she was this is gonna get you nowhere fast. So maybe that's the difference between thirty years ago and now. Like uh she had far more support, I would say. She got blasted. Well she got blasted too. She got buried. She got be So she for her to come forward like that, she put everything on the line. Oh yeah, she had to. He came forward for the nominee. Right. All of these stories were revealed. Yeah. Right? Right. And we're not, we don't even have to take a stand who's right, who's wrong. Right. right? You and I. Yeah. On our first introductory <laughs> podcast. But like, what was his backlash? He's now sitting on the highest oh, yeah, court. Oh, yeah. He's just, uh, arguably in the world. Yeah. Oh, I would say so. And I mean, I think things will change over time. How long? In our lifetime, maybe things. I, I you know, I, I look at history a lot, and, and things take a while to change. It doesn't happen overnight. But after serving um, in in state politics, yeah, can I say something? Of course, 
I am so very thankful they take a long time to change. Yeah, it's... It, I'm so it, very thankful for when the power changes hands right. every two to four years. Right. We it, would all have whiplash. Oh, yeah, because we need, we need the ebb and flow. and We need collaboration. Right. So, I mean, you look at it, we do have leaps forward occasionally where there's a tipping point and enough's enough. So I think of the civil rights movement in the 60s. Has uh, that gotten anywhere? It definitely got somewhere. It definitely got somewhere, obviously. Absolutely it did. Has it fixed everything? Absolutely not. Is it, are, we, are we much further down the road now than we were in 1965? I, you know, and again, like that's a whole, I feel like you and I are going to get on these huge tangents. That's, that's, you know, like anything else, there are so many perspectives to the same right. storyline. Exactly. But I, I would so say. So our perspective sitting here. Yeah. You and I. Which is as compared to my son's perspective. My right. son. Yeah. His father is Filipino. Right. I'm, what am I? I don't, I'm, like my kids, my daughters joke that we're nothing. Yeah. Right. And what does that mean? Because right. we're English, Scottish. And that's not nothing either. But in their no. eyes. But in their eyes. So I, what I look at, I, I try to put the big, like, you can have individual stories. Okay. You can have individual stories where it can look, no progress is made. In fact, we might have taken a step back. But I think not looking at the broader scope does it injustice for the people that have fought for it. So We have a woman vice president. Right. We, we, had, we had a black president. President Obama. Yeah. We, 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 we've... We've had, I'm, I'm just saying that it's, I think we're further, do we have a long way to go? Yes. I would say yes. But are we living in 1965 still? Absolutely not. Well, let me ask you this. Yeah. So we are, for all, for all reasons, that's the wrong word, but yeah. like we are strangers. Would you agree with that? Yes. Sitting here? Yes. And male, female? Yes. Conservative, progressive, yes. Canadian, no, yeah. that's almost the same thing. It's We're both Canadian. Um, you have a military background. Yes, I was a co-sponsor of the Red Flag Bill. Yes, um, I'm a tell-all. Yes, you're a keep it close. Yes, um, you drive a truck. I do, although I don't <laughs> have it yet. Toyota's still. Because you probably ordered a lot of little fancy Belgian No, vessels. I didn't. I just, they just don't have any trucks now because of Biden's but, supply chain. So with all of those differences in who we are, yeah. and that before last year, we didn't even know the other existed. Yeah. We, yet we're sitting here together talking about, we will be talking about sex. Yeah, We'll sure. be talking about dating. We'll yes. be talking about... Paying bills. We'll mm -hmm. be talking about voting. We'll be talking yeah. about judging. Yeah, absolutely. Would we have been able to do this in the '60s? Probably not. Are you going to say the F word? Yes. Yeah, we'll swear. Just say, to let everybody know that we will swear. I may say fuck occasionally. I think I've sworn more since I've met you in the past yeah. month it's, it's and my whole life. It's a, it's a military thing. I also use knife hands sometimes. Going on. I, you know what I do? I do this, the flight attendant the thing. Flight attendant thing. When they're directing people where the exits are in the bathrooms. <laughs> For some reason, I've adopted that as a way to tell people how to get to places. I, just, I do knife hands. Yeah. I don't know. So, yeah, we, we've definitely made progress. But being my first marriage, I was in a biracial relationship in, on the seacoast in New Hampshire. And when we were dating, we weren't served at places. Yeah, I believe it. I believe it. You know, my grandmother had a fit. And yeah. and actually, it wasn't that he was Filipino. It was that he was Catholic. Oh, my God. I, and that makes – I can see that. My, Who would have thought that, though? Yeah. I was, like, in shock when I right. heard that. Right. Um, it was a big deal a, long, a ways back. It was a big deal. I think for people that don't face injustice, we've come a long way. Yes. I think for... That's a really good way to put it. Well, I'll just share this. So yeah. my son's 28. Yeah. And he he didn't share with me to what he faced in high school to just a couple of years ago. Yeah. And 
And and with that did not go into deep detail because this is our community. I'm I know lots of people, he knows lots of people. And I you know, I just said to it broke my heart because yeah. I'm I'm here for him to help him and protect him. And you didn't know. And I didn't know. I didn't even suspect. Yeah, right. I didn't it Why wasn't would you? even a thought Why in my you? mind that you? it would be an issue. Right. And he said to me just recently just recently, he said to me, he goes, Mom, there's absolutely nothing you could have done. Yeah. And that's gut-wrenching. Because I, in that moment, I, I listened to him. And mm. now I think, is that true? Yeah. Isn't there something we can all do? I, I think, you know, at the very least, if you know about it and someone is facing that, you can at least support them. Maybe you can't, you know, go confront somebody. Maybe you can't... Uh, you know, physically do something. Burn down the school. Right, exactly. Or, But you can at least support that individual, um, you know. But you were in the military, one of the largest complexes in the world. Yeah. One of the most expensive oh my God. complexes it's, in the world. There's so much waste. We could time. argue that oh, a majority I, I of our with, tax dollars they're, they're, goes talk, towards talk about, that. Talk about waste of tax. I mean, it's unbelievable. Is that, oh, is that fiscally conservative, the military? No, it is not. Not even close. So that's just a side note again. But so you were in the military dealing with racial. Oh, yeah. Like every every form of discrimination yeah. possible. Right. Ageism. Oh, yeah. Gender. Yeah. Racial. Yeah. What else is there? Uh, religious, right? Yeah. Uh, sexual orientation. Sexual orientation. I, yeah. When I when I was in, because I was I joined the army in '93, so it was you know the don't ask, don't tell thing. Uh, I was in combat arms. So I was in the infantry. Women weren't allowed in the infantry. They are now. They are now. Uh, but they weren't allowed in the infantry. You were a paratrooper. I was a paratrooper. Not until 19... When was the first woman allowed to jump? I just oh, read no, they that. Oh, they could jump. I don't know when they could... The first time they were allowed to there jump. There was some... I was I was stalking you, reading up on your bio, and there I came across something from an officer's school. Officer's... Officer candidate school. Which you got very high marks. Yes. Um, and there was something about women and that they were now finally allowed to, i'm gonna to have to go back and look you have to look but i mean i don't know when women were allowed into jump school the army's uh airborne academy if you will i have, i don't know when they, i mean they were when i was i went in 19 early 1994 i was in jump school and women were in jump school so were they in the infantry you were jumping out of planes a baby was coming out of my yeah you were coming you were having a baby i was having a baby oh there you go so how does the military deal with all of this? All of that? All of all of the discrimination. Um, do they? Or does it is it brushed under? I think especially when it comes to gender, I think they really had a problem for a long time. And I, it's unfair for me to say where it is right now because I've been out of the military for 15 years. But... Um, I know when I was in, it started to become a very big issue, uh, really big. And I know they put a lot of things in place to help protect, uh, like sexual assault victims and things like that. I don't want to say it worked because. Do you see the movie GI Jane? I have not seen that movie. I just I have no desire to see it. I think we should watch it together. Oh, okay, that should be fun. But anyway, well, I, 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 I think there's still a problem. I, I, would, I would bet that there's still a problem in the military just because it's a male-dominated culture. And you think it's one of the last holding on? No, there's yes, a lot of cultures still. Yeah, I mean, yes and no. Um, we have women hockey teams. Right. So I, I would say this about the military. This is, this is what, I, this is what I, I would have a feeling. This is just a, a, a guess. So back when I was in the military, like in the early 90s, I have a feeling it was that way because it was male-dominated and it was kind of like, shut up, you deserve it type stuff. Now... Are you talking about sexual assault? Sexual assault and things like that. Or What about or, passing over for promotion? Oh, yeah, all that stuff. Like, it's just, you know, she's a woman, she's not, you know, this is in the military combat type stuff. So I have a feeling it was just because, well, no, they wouldn't even consider a woman. I think it probably does happen now. Like I said, I'm not a woman, so I'm not going to say how it is but i i would say this i would bet that does it happen for the absolute 
worst reasons still? I bet you it does. Does it probably happen more often now because of it's just a male ingrained structure and they might not even realize they're doing it? It's probably more to the point where it might have been opposite 30 years so ago. So let's leave it. Let's leave it at this. Yeah. I was in state politics yeah. four years ago. Yeah. It was hard and fast happening then. Yeah. Oh, I'm sure. So if it's my thing is if it's happening here, it's happening yeah. there. Oh, I, I agree. I completely agree. And it just is something that unfortunately the next generation is going to inherit. Yeah. And hopefully they do better with it. And that's, that's that slow change, right? I mean, I, I like it to be fat. I mean, I have nieces. I have a sister. That, to think that, you know, 75% of women are, se- are sexually assaulted in their life. 75%. By age. By uh, God, I don't even want to think about what age. But that means of all the women in my life, a lot of them are sexually assaulted. That That is a tough pill to swallow for a person like me. And it's, More it's not harder okay. for a... Well, I'm just personally, I should say personally. No, I understand. I it's yeah. like it's just like my son being yeah. discriminated right. against for the color of his skin. Right. I can empathize that with him right. all day. Yeah, I can. Ne- I will never, never be un- in issues. Right. You can't. I will possibly. never be in issues. That's what I can't possibly understand. That's why you know when they talk about how is you know being a woman in the military today. I don't know. You will never know. I will never know. I I imagine it can't be easy. Um, I. Do I think it's probably better than it was 30 years ago? I mean, just from me looking at it through my male eyes, I would say it probably is. I could be dead. But if someone told me, Dave, you're completely wrong, all right, I'd believe that too. I'd right. be okay with that. So, well, I'm not okay with it, but I believe that. If someone said, no, Dave, it's it's even worse. All right. I would worse for some, better for others. Yeah, I mean, like I said, I, I, when, as an emergency manager, I always tell so, so you can never make it zero. I can never mitigate risk to zero. There's always some chance of disaster is going to happen or the bad thing is going to happen. It's always there. The idea is that you're able to mitigate it so it's as less impactful as possible. So think of snowstorms. We have lots of snowplows, sand, salt. We have procedures. We have policies in place to get the roads clear, to keep the power. Cancel school. Cancellations. Yeah, to keep people safe. So does that mean no one's going to get on the road that day and slide off the road and get killed? No. No. And, you know, and just like there are things as the human race we will never solve. Right. And and, Mental health. Right. Poverty. Right. Right. So, I mean, so when you talk about sexual assault or a woman being in the military, will it ever be perfect? Absolutely not. It's a huge organization. Um, does change happen at the top? Yeah, I think it does. I, I think I, I think it's got to it's got to come from the top down. And I think I want to think that most of them that are there now do have that best of intention. Maybe, Those making good choices from the bottom, right? Does it work up? It can. Um, I think definitely. So the military is a is a microcosm of society, right? I mean, military gets people from all over the place. Mm-hmm. So the problems you have in society, you're going to have problems in the military, just the way it is. And I, I think that if you, the bottom up can influence higher up over time. Uh, because if, if we get more people in the military that are more respectful of women or accepting of women in just, traditional What if we roles, say accepting of differences? What right. if we just blanket exactly. it? Well, say, just, just not just, we don't hate each other because we think differently. Or look differently. Or look differently. I think it will happen. It just it takes time. And it's it's frustrating sometimes because there's some of us that might be a little bit further down the road than others. But we live in a society and, and, and you know, you can't just get rid of people. <laughs> no. But so like, okay, so we're we're almost done. You yeah. had said you needed to take a nap today. Yes, I definitely need to take a nap. Ruby's I got, barking I got teach, at the I door. Got, I got to teach yoga in 90 minutes. Sheesh. I'm going out to dinner with my daughter. Oh, that's right. Oh, good. So, this podcast It's the first of many. I hope so. Well, I really hope so. So, I'm going to be I'm going to be writing in your on your website the the You're going to join column, my column, column Just What's, Love. Just Love. So, is it justlove.com? Is that what it is? No. What is um, it? it's you know what? It's <laughs> I'm going to I'll do a link at the end of this podcast. Yeah. Um, so what I want to say though is that 
overall, like I think that the work that we've both done uniquely mm. is that we positioned ourselves in a place that we wanted more. We, yeah. more not more materialistically but we wanted more out of life that we felt good about ourselves yeah, absolutely we and i wanted to move past the trauma in my early childhood and and to be honest i've been looking for the happily ever after my whole life you know i joke that disney ruined me yeah. <laughs> with all those princesses and princes like i think that um had some negative impact on yeah my marriage record. However, like I envision this podcast as you and I, you know, we'll, we'll be, I write every day. I'm not sure how often you'll write as much as I can, but we'll take a look at what we're working on, what we're talking about. And we'll ask one another how they feel. Like, how do you do this? Like, Oh, absolutely. Well, I love your writing. You do. I'm definitely drawn to your writing. You inspire me to write. So. Oh, thank you. I like your writing. Oh, thank you. It's pretty good. It's all right. No, actually, yours is better than mine. Oh, that's not true at all. That's not true. Don't No one listen to her out there. That is not true at all. It's not even close. The funny thing is that I started doing yoga to move. I had gotten really sick um, a ways back, um, physically sick. And one of the ways I recovered was, was yoga yeah. and doing yoga every day. Yes. But I do it in my home. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I follow some instructors on YouTube. And um, when I first met Dave, he's like, come to my come to my studio. And I was like, no, <laughs> it's not going to happen. And it's, it's not for anything other than, to me, yoga is incredibly intimate. It's yeah, been good. a lifesaver for me. That's good. That's good. And that's all yoga is. It's whatever it is to you. It's whatever it is to you. It could be anything you want. Yeah. It's yours. But, so anyways, yeah. what what now? Do we say goodbye? So let's we'll say goodbye. So um what what's the what's your website? Do you know it? Okay. I don't know it. Okay. So yet. Jennifer will 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 uh, place a link to her website at the podcast. It's on so if they find this podcast well, they're, on the, guess, they're on the they're on the place are, are with are both of our on, writings. Are we yeah. asking Apple and Spotify to do it as well? Yeah, that's down the road a little uh, bit. Oh, okay. And then uh I'm at uh www yogaonyork.com and your blog's there and my blog is there too which will probably reflect a lot of this but I'm gonna I'm gonna write some special things for your site so oh yeah you can you can just copy it and paste oh, that's fine that'll too make my life easier but that's okay yeah and so. then um so I'm excited I'm too. thankful that you um started stalking me yeah I'm glad too. I, I did not start stalking you <laughs> definitely so but uh, thank you, everybody, for listening in today. Uh, I hope you continue to join us. And if you have any comments or suggestions about what we should talk about or not talk about, or if you'd like to hear more of Jennifer, which I understand, or if you'd like to hear more of me, which I don't understand, please let us know. Other than that, have a wonderful evening, day, or morning.